Good morning, anchors. It is Tuesday, September 20, 2022, a great day for our future. We have 2,992 days left until Thanksgiving Day 2030. Here's today's questions from our anonymous confessional from buymeacoffee.com slash worldpeace. Free! Remember, this is entertainment and I am a real minister, ordained by the Immaculate Church of the Internet. This way we can be the world's most functional safe space. If you download the Anchor app, you can leave us voicemails we'll play on our show. Anchor gives you tools to make a podcast of your own. And with World Peace free, we can make it easy for all to be neighborly. Help us stay ad-free with just $3 virtual coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash worldpeace. Free! You can even message our show anonymously. Just make sure you click the button for privacy. Question number one. What qualities do you think we'll need in the next president? Not old. Preferably, someone that knows how to raise and keep money while stewarding resources comfortably for our people and in a way that increases long-term security for the kids of our kids. Bonus, it would be great if the next president can reunite our people the way it was after the 9-11 attacks and before Obama told Trump in a televised event that he would never be president. That would be great talk about the mistakes of the previous administrations. Question number two. Dear time-traveling minister, how do you reconcile being a Bible-believing Christian while being okay with homosexuality? I feel I had a more nuanced answer to that, but all right. Truth be told, I'm one of those believers that can never understand why this topic must be a discussion in the religious community. Like, why is it so important to you? But then I remember I was born in the 90s. I saw the main arguments for both sides sift themselves to the top until the gays finally got gay marriage around 2008. The alphabet community at the time said it was about them not being able to see their loved ones in the hospital, and I totally get that. But then, the Bible thumpers were worried that we were crossing a line that, they would, that we would never come back from. And about a decade later, we have 300 genders. So it's a pickle. But I believe we'll be finding common ground soon. Because if you look at the alphabet ideology now, they're separating into denominations, which means they're dealing with the same thing religion's got to deal with. The extremists that screw up the fun for everyone. David Koresh and Jim Jones didn't exactly help Christianity, and Osama bin Laden didn't exactly help Islam. And right now, y'all have drag queens dancing for kids. I mean, at least the Catholics have the decency to keep that on the down low. <laughs> Tomorrow's question. Dear time-traveling minister, I just heard your plan for world peace. I like the idea of making two places to live, and I like the names you gave them, productivity counties and motivational districts. My question is, how would you enforce your laws? I mean, making homelessness illegal in the productivity counties sounds a little militaristic if you ask me. Also, you mentioned two places to live. Does this mean, does this mean there will be places where people aren't allowed to live? What will you call these places? Sincerely, Broto Baggins. I like that. Of course, tomorrow's episode is always available for our community at wpff.locals.com. You could always ex uh, you could experience the podcast best there, Spotify, or Anchor, but only locals can break space time with us. Let's do the YouTube intro. Welcome to World Peace, free, everyone's favorite audience-generated museum of events until 2030. I'm your time-traveling host, and you're in the future, so if you haven't yet, please subscribe so we can be the biggest YouTube channel not part of the Ad Money program. Today is Talk News Tuesday, the day we share news sent by you. I'm not here to judge, just here to listen and give honest opinions. Clip number one. This one has famous liberals talking about red states sending migrants to Kamala Harris's house. Dear Time Traveling Minister, you're finally streaming. Looks like an old dog can learn new tricks, even though you're in your 30s, therefore part of the generation that should know these things.
I know, I know, you're a Luddite, but still, bro, still. I bet you don't even know who Charlemagne the God is. For the purpose of this clip, I don't. For the purpose of this clip, he is a host of a news talk show where he brings in famous people for their opinions on news items of the week. The only people I recognize is Malcolm Gladwell for his books on excellence and outliers, and Roy Wood Jr. for replacing Ari Shafir on This Is Not Happening. It's a really good comedy show. You can check it out. It's everything. Every clip's on YouTube. I love YouTube. Love where your show is going. Sincerely, Leonardo DiCaprio. Bro. It's hard to pronounce, but I love that joke. Let's check out this clip, shall we? For months, Republican governors have sent busloads of illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities like New York, D.C., and Chicago with the message of, if you like them so much, they're yours, okay? Well, just in time for Hispanic Heritage Month, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis upped the game by sending two planefolds of immigrants to the East Coast elite's favorite vacation island, Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. I personally think it's genius. But I wish that governors like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott would give Democratic governors and mayors more of a heads up, because then that would expose the hypocrisy of the Democrats, which is they don't want immigrants here either. What say you, panel? Angela Rye. First of all, um, I want to just dig deeper into the fact that these folks who are priding themselves on sending not just busloads, but also now plane loads mm -hmm. of immigrants to, um, and migrants to countries, or to, to states that are, have not, and are not expecting them. I that these, sanctuary cities, though. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. When you haven't talked to these folks about what your plans are and you're dropping it, it is a political game for them. I agree. And how are you gonna, like, tout the Bible? You're the, like, Bible-beating Christian governors. I'm just curious about what kind of Christianity they're practicing. You want to talk about Democrat hypocrisy? I want to call the Republicans on bluff, too. Yeah, what do you think, Michael? I'm, I'm with Angela. This is uh, well, now you with Angela. Oh, it, you're I don't allowed, fight you're no allowed, more. In fact, we have more in common. <laughs> yeah. I know the feeling. Trust me. <laughs> Shut up. No, we're what, how are we in a situation in our country when we're treating people who want to come here, yeah. who think highly enough of America that they want to they want to risk their lives to come here, and we're treating them like you know props in some kind of political stunt. I'm, I have to interrupt because how are we in this position in the country where we're, where this is happening? Uh, there's so many reasons. A, your guy keeps on harping on one side as if they're terrorists when we all saw the 2020 riots. And I think we're here because Ron DeSantis really just wanted everybody to see what Charlemagne the guy was talking about. The, the hypocrisy in the Democratic Party. And the, the, the other lady there, Angela Ray, she was talking about uh, like the Bible-beating Christians. Um, I get that the Christian people are supposed to be like the moral folks, but they're, they're humans too. And I, I don't know why, I don't know where that comes from. And I guess that's the reason why I have the show, because I wanted to know that, that place too. I wanted to know why people still think that Christianity is like the the top moral, uh, or how they got that 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 point where like they're also the most made fun of uh, religion in the world, and like they're still doing their thing. Not, I feel not getting in people's faces, but once again, like I just I how I how we answered that question before about the like how every religion slash ideology has extremists of their own. So I guess we have some extremists that gave us a bad, gave Christians a bad name. Once again, I don't identify as, as Christian. I identify as a believer. I'm just trying to read the Bible, and I'm I'm, I'm a human being, learning second by second, day and uh, day by day with you guys. 
And once again, I'm really glad that I'm watching what you guys want me to watch, not the what the algorithm wants me to watch, because now I get to see and I get to know these folks that are that are making the headlines these days. Charlamagne the God, I gotta look this guy up. What I hate is the fact that a lot of these a lot of these immigrants are being sent to these cities, and these are the same cities that ship out their homeless people to the outside counties. So mm. a lot of these That's democratic fair. cities That's that fair. are, oh, we love people and we love people. Hey, homeless man, get your way or something. Like, like they, they deliberately hide people already. So a lot of these Democrats that are complaining about the Republicans are running something similar within their own, within yeah. their own counties. Yeah. Wouldn't y'all rather have them be shipped to sanctuary cities as opposed to being in states where they don't want them anyway, though? I, I just, I think that we have got to have some humanity and compassion about this conversation. What we know is that policy-wise, the country has failed immigration for a very right. long time. Immigration reform proposals don't do enough. I also think that in the backdrop of what's happened in Ukraine and the billions of dollars that this country has sent to Ukraine, why can't we use those same resources to figure out what to do with immigrant populations here? The difference is that most of them are of a browner hue. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that Ron DeSantis, uh, Greg Abbott, and others are terrified about what happens when there is a browning of their states. We they know, know that this. That's why they're shipping them out. I'm clear. Yeah. I'm well, very clear about that. So I don't think that, yeah. Knowing what we know about Texas, if you're giving people a free trip out of Texas, <laughs> that's a come up. Yeah. <laughs> I think the question's broader. One of the best books I've read recently is a book called One Billion Americans, which asks, asks the question, how many Americans do we want, right? Look at this country, and he argues very, the guy, Matt Iglesias, who wrote it, argues very persuasively that this country would work really well with a billion people. Well, we're at 380 million, so we got, what, 620 mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think we should, we should be welcoming people. We should be opening the borders. I, I don't understand why people Sounds are like so upset about- be fucking. Right? <laughs> we should all- Charlemagne, you, uh, that's a, a useful, yes, that would be very useful. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll do your part. We but gotta, uh, <laughs> Everybody got to go full. I've done cannon. my part. I have four children. Four daughters. Okay. Yeah, uh, four. By the way, they're still sending buses with immigrants here to New York as if that's supposed to scare New Yorkers. Okay? Buses filled with immigrants in New York City are just called buses. Okay? That was all right. Like, um, I guess... It's the, what did he say about a billion people? Like the America would be better with a billion people. I'm not so sure, man. The lines are long enough as it is, but it's one of those situations where you would make such a grand statement. And we try to get there, but we don't have the infrastructure to deal with it. Like I notice, I live in California, right? And there's been uh, there's been rolling black, oh, not rolling blackouts, but I, there's been some in some some counties. But long story short, everybody switched over to uh, electricity electric cars and like we don't have the infrastructure to handle it so so far i'm sitting here watching both sides and i'm noticing what the right side keeps on talking about with the left when they're saying oh you guys keep on making up these grand ideas but we don't have the infrastructure to handle it and that's what i guess the name conservative comes from where it's like we have we they they're why they're mining all the resources and they're looking at the resources and they're going yeah, this isn't sustainable. And the last last time I checked, like they got those the uh, the Mar Martha's Vineyard, they got those immigrants out there fast. Like they activated the National Guard to get them out the day of. Like, what does that say? It's curious. And I think in the Republican counties, it's been uh, like numbers are like two 
200 uh, uh, 2 million migrants are in the in the Republican counties and in Texas I've seen these videos of the, uh, the of the folks coming in breaking into the 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 uh, the families that live there breaking into the homes of the families that live there because well like they just crossed they trekked uh, a whole uh, uh, a whole country uh, they they trekked through the desert to get there and yeah they would be desperate for resources and I mean, it's it, there is a problem here. I'm not blaming any side here. I'm looking at what's what's what the real issue is. There's uh, trouble with allocating resources. That's all I see. And while it does kind of suck that, like, because I have to imagine, like, uh, like a being being seated in one of these buses, going over there and knowing that you're being used as a political like statement. At the same time, you're. You're demonstrating exactly what needs to be demonstrated here. There is a hypocrisy in the De Democratic Party. It's obviously being discussed with folks that were. I remember the clip of yeah, I recognize this gentleman. He was the guy that was talking to uh, Biden when he said uh, Biden before he was president. And Biden says, "If you don't vote for me, you're not black." And he was in the same uh, situation with Kamala Harris, where he was talking to Kamala Harris and he asked her. Who's really running the country? I remember that clip. And this is a odd time to be here, but at the same uh, odd time to be in, but at the same time, this is a this is exactly what media was supposed to do. And look at us now. We're trying we're trying to see what gets eyes and attention on things and how we could how we could find the the best way to solve these problems. And we're getting there. I believe that we're getting there. Anyway, clip number 2 with Russell Brand. Oh, I like this. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 wait. I gotta do the, I gotta do the thing. Clip number two. Russell Brand goes deep into Mark Zuckerberg, admitting that the, uh, uh, Russell Brand goes deep into Mark Zuckerberg, admitting that the FBI suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. Dear time traveling minister. Okay, I've been wondering about this FBI raid on Trump. It's weird. It's like they're really trying to show that he's corrupt by using federal resources like a dictator would. That's the, that's the divisive language there, but I get where you're coming from. I remember Sam Harris justifying the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story. He basically said, it's more important that Trump doesn't become president. I don't care if Hunter had children in his basement. Dang. Eric, I'm a regretful Biden voter, mainly because I realized when my friends asked me to uh, asked me to actually name a crime of Trump, my mind drew a blank because it's like how you're at a baseball game on the opposing side, just parroting stuff my team is told to say while my Trump supporter friends, Trump supporter friends, actually have facts to lay out for me. Would you mind featuring this interview with Russell Brand and Max Blumenthal, founder of journalism website The Gray Zone, specializing in topics in the gray areas of life? What they say and how they say it is something I hope my kids talk about versus the swill they get after a good TikTok binge. Sincerely hoping for the best. Let's, I hope for the best too. Let's check out this clip that you got here. I love Russell Brand. This clip's got, wow, almost uh, 700,000 views. I think I said that right. And uh, Russell Brand is, if you guys don't remember, I mean, oh, man, I can't believe I'm, I'm dating myself by explaining this. But Russell Brand was a comedian that was known for his binges, and then he got sober, and then he got enlightened, and now he's he, he's still funny doing the news. I'd rather watch the news from him. Let's check this out. Disinformation, disinformation. Who gonna help me understand this information? 
Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates and the FBI? Of course they bloody well will. Hello there, you 5.9 million wonders. Thank you for joining me on this voyage towards truth as we zigzag through the mind of the machine towards the great burgeoning source. That's what I'm doing anyway. See you Wednesday if you can make it. Hey, listen, guess who I chatted to? Max Blumenthal from Grey Zone. We talked about misinformation, disinformation, all of that kind of stuff. Talk about how Bill Gates put a lot of money into media organisations that potentially gives him the ability to manipulate and direct content. Mark Zuckerberg said that stuff, didn't he, on Joe Rogan. Not to mention the Hunter Biden laptop. Where did I put my bloody saucy old, dirty old, stinky old laptop? Oh, Dad! There's a lot going on out there. That's why me and Max Blumenthal had a conversation about who's directing misinformation. What does it mean, really, misinformation and disinformation? Is this just a new propagandist term, a new manipulation of language? It's interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose these new terms themselves indicate an alteration of the narrative. And there's so little trust in mainstream media, the state and big business, that we have to remain discerning. Max Blumenthal's been called all sorts of stuff, like, you know, he's a proper whack job, conspiracy theorist. But honestly, when you listen to him talking, I really think that 20 years ago, he'd have just been a New York Times journalist. He would have been like a, basically a mainstream journalist going, doing scoops and stories on, hey, there's corruption, boss. You know, do you remember when journalism used to be that? Well, it ain't anymore. Have a listen to this conversation. You're going to love it. And if you don't subscribe yet, subscribe right now. I'm really desperate to get to... Not desperate. I'd like to see six million. Turn on the notification bell as well, because in case the algorithm's up to no good. Right? Anyway, stay to the end of this and let me know in the comments what you think of it. As a part of this uh, enhanced control by the security state over the public, we're seeing the rise of this counter... What they call a counter disinformation industry or counter disinformation experts. Uh, and they pose as civilian actors, they pose as organic, but the reality is they are a facet of the security state as well, the, intel the, the intelligence apparatus. Um, the FBI is a part of this, of course, and so many people, especially on the right, are freaking out because Mark Zuckerberg disclosed that the FBI essentially told him to suppress any discussion on Facebook of the Hunter Biden laptop, which was a trove of corruption and criminal behavior that I think could have actually altered the course of the election, which means they were manipulating U.S. politics. Unelected, an unelected security apparatus was seeking to guide the outcome of the election away from a Trump victory. That's what's apparent through Zuckerberg's disclosures. But the FBI has been doing this for a long time. There was actually a hearing in the House on supposed uh, foreign interference, you know, Russian Facebook ads and China, Iran and Venezuela hacking the brains, all the official enemies hacking the brains of Americans. And I think it was Seth Moulton, one of these, um, you know, pro-war Democrats, he started asking all the principals. It was a Zoom meeting because it was 2020. All the principals of the uh, tech industry, how, you know, what kind of collaboration are you having with the FBI? And one after another, they said, we meet with the FBI on a weekly basis. We have ad hoc meetings. And sometimes we just can't wait for those meetings when we need to decide on whether to take down a tweet or a post. So we'll consult the FBI on that. So that's that's been out in the open for years. But it's also clear that there are elements beyond the FBI that are telling social media companies 
what to do. And we can talk about my own experience at the gray zone with this because it's pretty extensive. We're right in their crosshairs. Why? Because this isn't about fighting disinformation. It's about dis it's about suppressing and silencing anyone of any prominence who disrupts the establishment narrative, particularly when it comes to foreign policy and U.S. interventionism, but also on COVID and other issues. And these elements exist within the intelligence services, but they often operate through what we call cutouts or front organizations, one being the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. They all have these seemingly anodyne, banal names that make them appear serious and kind of objective and neutral. And if you look at who's behind them, who's funding them, it's the U.S. State Department, it's the British uh, Foreign Office, which actually oversees MI5, MI6, and it's industry. It's the tech oligarchs. It's Bill Gates, who has plowed $325 million of his fortune into media in the past 20 years and is increasingly funding this new fact-checking industry, which for some reason never checks the lies that are told by uh, establishment bureaucrats like Anthony Fauci or Bill Gates himself. They're always trying to guide the public into obedience and support of official policy and narratives. That's who's behind this. And they, they don't want their fingerprints on it when they're taking on an alternative outlet like the gray zone. This whole disinformation industry is actually about protecting the greatest propagators of disinformation of our time, our elected leadership and the security state that has lied us into war after war after war. And they're, called, they're running around calling people uh, fascists while they're funneling billions of dollars into a Ukrainian military that has integrated literal neo-Nazi battalions like Azov and Idar into its ranks. The irony cannot be overstated, except when I do state that irony, I run the risk of being censored. <laughs> yeah, so don't overstate it. Like, so like, don't even state it at all. Understate it. Allude to it. Do a poem about it. Do a drawing about it. It amounts to, do you think then, Max, a kind of grooming, priming, prepping, nudging, in addition to whatever it does in terms of... like. It seems that, you know, you've acknowledged, of course, that coronavirus is a real thing. People, you know, that these are the impacts of coronavirus on the lungs. This is how the virus works. And I'm just saying that there's no such thing as coronavirus. It's evidently a, a, a phenomenon. But the response to it was expedient. The response to it was profitable. The response to it increased the ability to regulate. And it, it could be used to track an agenda to uh, control populations, as you said already, that previously were kind of off-grid or, or unbankable, I think was the term you used. And broadly speaking, going forward, it makes it difficult. Gareth here, the producer of our show, says that, you know, like 10 years ago, if you wanted to present uh, prevent a social uprising, the, the image of the military on the street is, the, the, is, is what presents itself. Now, it's kind of stuff that can be shut down from like, digitally. You can just could, could control people's assets. You can control people's ability to socially interact. And it seems that that's the, tr the trend that we're being offered. That's what's being presented to us as the solution to the problem of living. And 
again to a point I made earlier Max like it, it, tribalism used to be sort of like the kind of model and of course it, via the culture war it's still a sort of an idea that's kind of prevalent and as you have demonstrated in COVID this kind of this, this sense of division and identity with like your status around vaccine but, ne- but now it's like there's our microbial threats existential threats ideological threats are all kind of being sort of uh, what do I want to say dramatised and, uh, and brought to the forefront of our consciousness in order that that, that we can be um, presented solutions that p- limit our freedom and increase broadly speaking compliance uh, yeah I yeah. think you've sort of you've, you've explained that to us in a way that sort of seems pretty clear I'm gonna pull an audible here I feel like this clip should go into talk therapy Thursday and I'm not censoring this conversation of course you can please pull out that clip but um, and I should and I should mention that I do my best not to interrupt because I don't want to be that kind of a that kind of reaction channel. I want this to be a channel where you could pull it up on your uh, without without visuals and pull it up on your podcast ears and just what uh, and listen through the throughout the whole thing. And I and I know how how annoying it is for for people to stop conversation, even though I'm doing it right now. But the topic of this matter, I want to just I I, I want to I want to talk about this because what he just mentioned right there was about dramatizing news, sensationalizing news. I remember when the, I forget which brothers, but there was like a, there was a time when the 90s, around the uh, late 80s and 90s, when the news didn't become a, just about like, oh, the, a dog uh, saved a kid from a, well, <laughs> Lassie. <laughs> or, you know, like, like it, 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 news was boring back in the day. And then we remembered when the two brothers killed their parents. And then that's the switch when news became sensationalized. And I think that what he's talking about is the evolution of that, where, is, where we're looking for headlines on Twitter and we could see what people are talking about. And the, I guess the scare is what if they control what we're, what we're, what we're, uh, where our attention is and how, what are we going to do if, if they have the power to guide our eyes toward whatever they need to see? And who is they? And that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't, I'm one of those folks that like, I, I can't, I don't know if there's really an elite. <laughs> I could already hear the, my, my conspiracy friends like, just, this is you saying that? Are you part of, are you, did they get you? No, like that's, that's, do you see how convenient that is? How that hatred slash sensationalism uh, gets gets in and in, into our conversations as if they really are manipulating us and blah 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 blah. But this is why I enjoy talking about the beatitudes and the narratives introduced in the Bible because if we talk about that, it's 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 a solid footing. We all know that this book is is a thousand uh, is a uh, more than a thousand years old, but at the very least, we know that it existed. All this other news that's coming in. We don't know what's true, and they, and they keep on, and they keep on shoving it down our throats. This clip aired September five. It is September twenty today, and it has it's 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 important for us to watch. I feel, but we can't watch everything out there. And I think that's uh, what they're talking about. How they're taking advantage of the fact that it's a world of infinite content, and since it's a world of infinite content, might as well go with what everybody's watching, and that's where the manipulation starts. 
where, and once again, this is one of the reasons why I enjoy this show so much. I'm very glad that this platform exists because now I could ask you what I have to watch, not the algorithm. And because I'm asking you what I have to watch, I be, I'm being informed by real people. And this is a great thing because it used to just be me watching comedy clips and things that make me feel good. Now I'm informed and it's a process. Anyway, that's all for today. Remember, soon I'll be live on YouTube asking what should we normalize every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Then every Thursday of the month, we'll live stream for charity all day on Instagram, asking people on the street the same thing while talking with you in the chat room. This month's nonprofit is ALS with the is the ALS Foundation with a video from our one of our listeners explaining why soon. Be anti-creepy, my friends, and remember you are loved, missed, and thought about every day. Have fun and be neighborly, y'all. Take care.